Hello and welcome to The Dirt, a bite-sized loan podcast where we answer some of the burning questions that we get on a daily basis from grain growers about how to improve soil health and why soil carbon is such an important part of your soil. I'm Dan Reid, Grower Comms and Extension Manager at Loam. I'm from a grain and sheep farm just outside of Tamora in the Riverina, New South Wales. The purpose of this podcast is to answer the common questions that we get when we talk to farmers. Please give us a follow on socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and send any questions through, and we'll do our best to answer them in the next show. As always, Loam recommends you getting advice from your own agronomists and financial advisors. Yeah, well, I'm here today with Loam's agronomists, Sky Webb and Phil Peterson. How are you, lads? Good, thanks, Dan. How are you today? I'm good. Sun is shining. Yeah. Sky's blue and yeah, it's not raining, so life is good. Today we'll cover three questions. They are, what does Loam's endophyte fungi actually do to improve the soil? How long does carbon last in the soil? And how fast can I store carbon? So we might kick it off with you, Webby. Um, yeah, what does Loam's endophyte fungi actually do to improve the soil? Now, that's the uh, crux of the, the whole project around Loam's uh, progression into the carbon market and the carbon industry is around the technology that we're developing, the carbon endophyte, the fungal endophyte. The primary function of that technology is to sequester carbon through the plant. So the process that's at foot is the um, everyone understands photosynthesis. The plant takes carbon dioxide out of the air, mixes with sunlight and water, and uh, forms sugars. And those sugars flow down through the plant, and some of it's distributed out into the rhizosphere as root biomass or as root exudates. So there's a lot of carbon coming from the air and making its way down into the soil. And that carbon can either stay in the soil or it can get uh, broken down by soil microbes and it leaks back out and diffuses back out as carbon dioxide in what we call the carbon cycle. So what we're doing with this uh, endophyte technology is we put an intermediary between the carbon going into the soil and the carbon leaking out of the soil. And that intermediary is a, is a particular type of fungus and that fungus captures that carbon and um, puts it into long-term stores in the soil. So it's taking some of that carbon flow and trapping it in the soil. And once we trap it, then we can, if we can do that at enough of a scale, um, so that the fungus is really efficient, then we can do that in a really measurable and meaningful um, amounts. Um, so that's kind of what the... And so once we've, we've stored that carbon in the soil with the, through this fungal process, um, we start improving the uh, fertility of the soil. So um, a simple way of thinking about it is the more soil organic carbon a particular um, soil has, the more productive that that soil will be. So in a lot of different parameters from its ability to store water, its ability to store nutrients, its ability to um, let water drain through um, in, in um, high rainfall um, times, all those things that make a soil fertile is around how much carbon is in the soil and that's how this technology sequesters the carbon and then influences the physical and chemical and biological characteristics. So it makes the soil yeah more nutrient dense, makes more like better water infiltration, more nutrients there. 
yeah. the access or the, the plants to be able to access other nutrients in the soil. Yeah, that's right. And that's what drives plant health fundamentally is how much nutrients and how much water it can get access to to drive its growth. Um, and soil carbon is that facilitator of water and nutrients to the plant. And so how long does the carbon last in the soil? That's probably a question, Phil, you might want to have a, a crack at. Yep, so, yeah, yeah, right up. So move on from where uh, Guy was just talking. So the beneficial endophyte fungi uh, has stored carbon in the soil. Where does it put it, etc. So carbon can be broken up into uh, sort of three distinct profiles, if you like. There's the label or particulate carbon, which is essentially the stuff you see on the surface uh, that looks like broken down plant material. Yep. Then there's uh, microaggregates, and which is uh, carbon being stored in the tiny aggregates of soil. And then there's the mineral-associated organic carbon where it's stored as like humic material. So they all uh, have different lengths of time that they last. And so the labile carbon is meant to cycle, as Guy mentioned earlier, it's meant to cycle and it's broken down by biology in the soil, particularly bacteria, and cycles back around and the carbon dioxide comes out and gases out of the soil and would normally be taken up by green growing plants because they absorb carbon dioxide to make more photosynthesis. Hence the reason why we would like to keep our ground covered with green plants. Yep. So we're not losing carbon to the atmosphere. The labile particulate organic carbon um, is sort of the broken down particles of that. And then, and so the microaggregates, sorry. So they're like 0.25 of a millimetre in size and smaller. And they might last for 100 plus years. And the mineral associated organic carbon might last for thousands of years. So it's, so, it's actually absorbed into the soil minerals itself. So because they last longer, those the uh, mineral associated and the microaggregates last longer, then people, businesses or industry that wants to buy carbon from those that grow it, from the farmers that can grow carbon, they want to buy stable carbon because that lasts longer so they're willing to pay more than the spot price on the market for stable, stable carbon. Yeah, okay. So not all carbon's created equal. That's no. true, isn't it? It's um, the the market is premised on carbon being taken out of the atmosphere and stored somewhere in a sink. And so we're using the soil as a sink, but the the fundamentals of that market is that it's being stored for long periods of time. And when you're in a carbon project, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, you know it's for twenty five years, um, or you can actually do it for a hundred years um, if you're very enthusiastic. Um, and that the reason is because we need to take carbon out of the atmosphere for long periods of time. That's what the market is based on. So you can um, stimulate the price on carbon by showing that you can store it for long periods of time. And if you can put it in, as Phil was saying, the aggregate uh, carbon, so that's um, the carbon that's stored inside these little clumps of soil that are stuck together. and. Yep. Um, that, that will last you know, up to 100 years, as Phil was saying, and the mineral-associated organic carbon. If you imagine a, a fungus uh, growing against the soil mineral and smearing its, uh, its metabolites along that uh, mineral surface and that reacting together, um, that's what mineral-associated organic carbon uh, is, and that, that's very long-lived. As, 
you know, over a thousand years. So those being able to show that you can you can put the carbon into those long-term stores, um, that's what the market is looking for, that long-term carbon. That's what we can get paid for. Okay, so just on storing carbon, yeah, how fast can I store it year on year? It's a it's a million dollar question, Phil, isn't that like yeah. um it's it, it is largely driven by uh, soil fertility and rainfall. They're the really big overarching kind of uh, levers, I guess, that, that drive soil carbon. So it's it's literally how much carbon can you put below ground. Um so that's the amount of biomass you can grow. So obviously soil fertility and rainfall give you biomass. Um, and then once you've got that carbon in the ground through root material and so on, that's got to be converted into those long-term stores. So then your, your soil biology comes into play of how that carbon is dealt with. And those three dynamics give you how much carbon you can store and how fast you can store. So if you're using the you know, extreme example of a high rainfall, highly productive paddock that's uh, growing something all year round and pumping carbon into the soil and lots of roots, uh, compared to a you know a desert, um, a stress lucky desert or somewhere out there where you know it gets a rain every now and again, and most of the time it's bare. Well, obviously, you know those two extremes, you can see one's going to store a lot of carbon, one's not, just simply by marrying <clears throat> biomass. Um, so then it becomes a matter of um, as a how you manage that in in agriculture comes down to how fast you can put carbon in the ground and how uh, quickly or how, how you slow the loss of that carbon out of the ground because carbon will always want to try to disappear out of the soil. The two reactions that are in the soil that drive that is the reactions with air, with oxygen, called oxidation, and the reactions with water, called hydrolysis. And those processes are always going on in the soil, breaking carbon down and releasing it as carbon dioxide. So you're trying to get away from those two reactions, trying to control it. Um, so the type of carbon that the roots can be turned into through biology, in particular fungi, can be turned into a type of carbon called aromatic carbon, which doesn't break down through water reactions, hydrolysis. And then if you can store it in places that are safe from oxygen, um, you want your soil to be aerated and full of oxygen, but inside soil microaggregates that Phil was talking about, those little 250 micron clumps of soil, it's actually anaerobic. So if you can get fungi to deposit the carbon inside a microaggregate, um, then that'll be safe for hundreds of years. So um, that gives you the ability to, to maximise the conversion of the organic matter that you put into the soil through roots and so on to convert it into stable stores so it doesn't leak back out. And that determines how fast and how much you, know, you can store. And, you know, a, a good uh, example of that is if you uh, till your paddock um, where you might go in with a set of offsets and think, oh, well, I'll just break up the soil and get a bit of a soil, a nice seed bed going and kill yeah. some weeds. And um, unfortunately, carbon dioxide is a, a clear, odourless gas. We can't see it disappearing from our fields. But soil organic carbon, that's the dark material in your soils, when it's broken down by microbes and too much oxygen, it will turn back into carbon dioxide. We can't see that happening. And... I've often said to growers, um, I wish it was like um, rotten egg gas, like you know, sulfur dioxide or something. You'd be able to smell it if it's disappearing or, or was a purple gas or something. You yeah. could see it because then you go, oh, my goodness, I'm losing all that carbon. 
And it's a, the rule of thumb for that is around every tillage operation, they're losing about uh, 250 kilos per hectare of soil organic carbon. So around about one tonne of CO2E of, a, of what we trade carbon as for every tillage operation, you can be losing. If you put economics around that, that's around um, you know, a spot price of somewhere around $30 per tonne of CO2E that we can sell carbon for at the moment, every tillage operation could potentially be costing you $30 per hectare worth of carbon. So also it becomes very real. Yeah. Um, so it's your practices that we um, adopt that um, we can start to get a feel for how fast we can store carbon by the sorts of practice, agricultural practices that we adopt. Uh, but no, it's been really great to talk today. I really appreciate both your views and um, really increasing my knowledge. And I know our growers out there who are listening. So please uh, get in touch if you have any questions and we can we can put these two under the uh, under the spotlight again. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. So please hit subscribe to this podcast if you found today's episode useful for yourself or for someone else. Send it on to them and follow Loam Bio on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn for the latest updates from us. And thanks for listening and have a great day.